Blog Talk Radio. A new assault on women's health, conflict in the conservative movement, and continuing unrest in Egypt. Good day and welcome to Mamacrat's Mama Chat. I'm Donna Schwartz-Mills, also known as SoCal Mom, and I'm here today with Cinematic of the K-12 News Network, and Jaylith Judy has joined us from Care2.com and State of Discontent. Welcome to the show, ladies. Morning. Good morning, Donna. Thanks for having me on today. Oh, gosh, Jaylith, we're so honored to have you. How's the weather in St. Louis? Cold. We are frigid here today. I think the low is five degrees. Oh, the Californians are just like clutching their, you know, fragile, <laughs> fragile vulnerable selves and digging down into the down blankets you know, <laughs> with their like 50 degree mornings. <laughs> We're so wimpy. <laughs> We're terrible. But uh, gosh, I'm, I'm really, I hope that uh, the discussion will help heat you up. Jaylen. Let's hope so. Well, I, <laughs> and I did want to make an announcement. And that is um, Mama Crap's Mama Chat on Blog Talk Radio has a new sponsor, and it is the fabulous Bubble Genius, bubblegenius.com. It's gorgeous, lovely, hilarious vegan soaps, um, not tested on animals, good for everybody, made from, obviously, vegetarian ingredients, and they're just beautiful. So go to the website and check it out. We're so delighted that we have a sponsor. This means we can do fancy things like have, you know, zillions of guests on at one time at some point, <laughs> and uh, things like that. So thank you so much, Bubble Genius, and make sure to check out their website. Later on, we'll be offering, you know, little discounts and things like that that you can get through Momocrats, but I just wanted to mention that at the beginning of the show. So thank you, Bubble Genius. Well, thank you. I mean, it's, um, yeah, I'm excited to have them. You know, I especially like the sense of humor that they display on the names of their products. I'm going to order me some whoop-ass balm for my hands, as it is, (laughs) with all this windy weather we've had here. Um, Ladies, what do you think is the top story this week? Oh, that's a good question. There were so many uh, interesting stories in the news this week. I for one, would like to say the top story in my book is that um, the protests continue in Egypt. You know, a lot of people were saying that um, they didn't think, a lot of pundits on cable news were saying that they didn't think that the protesters in Egypt would be able to sustain um, a movement over a whole week and a half with, you know, the country shut down, people need to go home and work and the head of their kids, but, uh, you know, just yesterday they had the biggest rally yet in Congress Square. You can so. tell we're doing this from the house. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Guest well, this by, is, by this is authentic Democrats because we all, do, we all do this from home, so. Yeah. <laughs> so, luckily, we have the ability now to edit stuff like that out um, eventually. But the first people who download this are going to hear the barking dog, I'm afraid. So, Jay Liff, um the story in Egypt definitely has been um, so fascinating, and partly because nobody knows what's going to happen next. Yeah, it's, I, it's anyone's guess. I, I've just been so, as with the Iran elections protests, which, you know, 
the the eye of the world has sort of turned to other things. But uh, you know, I'm certain that in Iran, there's still you know that incredible ferment and energy bubbling beneath the surface. And so again, like I've just been so moved by the Egyptian people just coming forward in this really united way, um, having a peaceful protest. Um, one of the most amazing things about the Iran elections um, <clears throat> protest for me was like a silent march that was well over five miles long, I think it was, of just people quietly, you know, marching through the streets. And it was so powerful. And I think, you know, there have just been so many iconic images that have come out um, in various, you know, ways of sort of leaking through the, the uh, shutdown of the Internet that they had there for a while. But, you know, we saw these incredible photos of, like, women, you know, kissing soldiers and, you know, just really um, a true people's movement and just so powerful. And I think, you know, for those of us in America who are progressives and sometimes wonder, like, why don't people rise up against the conditions of, you know, that that hold them back here and, you know, the unfairness and the injustice, I think, you know, we're all – inspired by it, number one, but I think there's also a sense of like, gee, there's a lot of things wrong here, and, you know, what if we sort of took power, you know, in a in a productive, positive way and said to, you know, big moneyed interests or whatever, you've got to, you know, you don't own this country, we the people, our votes, we're, we are what, you know, makes this country, you know, wouldn't it be powerful? So, uh, yeah. you know, from my perspective, yeah, Jaylith, go ahead. <clears throat> oh, I was just going to say, Cynthia, I, I agree, or cinematic, sorry. I agree that okay. uh, you have, with what you said, you know, I think what makes this movement so inspiring, aside from the fact that it has remained largely peaceful in the face of some um, not-too-peaceful opposition yeah. from some mm-hmm. of the pro-government uh, groups that have gone out to try to foment violence, mm-hmm. I think what's mm-hmm. inspiring to me is that so many ordinary people are the ones behind it. I I was really inspired by uh, the story of Amal Sharaf, who's a yeah. single mother and a school teacher mm-hmm. who has been organizing protests from her cell phone in a tiny office with her, with her daughter by her side. And it reminded me, you know, a little bit of when I did um, organizing for the Obama campaign in 2008. I used to bring my son and I would sit there and call, you know, and I felt like, I felt like I was working hard and making sacrifices to, you know, further my political views. But when I compare what I did to to a woman who's literally risking her life to go out and yeah. try to make a better future for her daughter, I just it's so impressive to me. And um, you know, I that makes me feel like this movement is going to succeed because because I and I I hope that. Its success is defined by a truly democratic state. Yes. Um, yeah. With that, that you know, supports a plurality of views within the country and and supports the diversity there, uh, the religious diversity in particular. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, you know, I, I I have hope because because it seems to me that these people who are running this movement are not so different from you know ordinary people here in the United States and they they just the, the difference might be that they're more engaged and they're more willing to take risks um you know to mm-hmm. move their country to a better future and i find that really admirable so mhm yeah and i love um the story of of the mom with the, mom with the cell phone <laughs> which she especially is tough yeah especially <laughs> tough when they cut off the cell phone service yes. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it continued on even though they tried to shut down all means of communication. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was struck by the restraint of the army. When they came in, I thought that they were going to crack down on everybody, but it just looked like they were there to keep the factions apart. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that, that made a big it's like the It's like it's a foregone conclusion. Mubarak is going to go. And now what's going to happen next? And that's where it gets really scary. And that's where, you know, it's interesting to watch our State Department do this little dance because right. they don't know which way to go with this. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to make things worse and they don't want to, you know, assert too much pressure. And uh, it's it's all very fascinating to watch. And um, what do you guys think of this uh, Google manager from Egypt, Wael Ghanim, who uh, spoke at the protest yesterday. He was detained uh, by the government for 12 days because he is suspected of being the one who started an anonymous Facebook page in support of... Oh, I uh, think he admitted to, to that. Yeah, The Daily yeah, Beast so, had, an, had an interview with him, and, and he did it, and he's proud of it. <laughs> yeah. So... It seems like um, he's he's 30 years old. This guy mm-hmm. who yeah. works for Google, Two which kids. I think is, and um, he but he seemed really you know it seemed like people were trying to maybe push him yesterday into a position of leadership, um, and he seemed pretty humble about it, which I thought was you know <laughs> yeah a nice surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it seems like ordinary people there are the ones who are you know, pretty much running the movement. Um, and I wonder yeah. if, I, I'm hoping that, you know, maybe one of those ordinary people will emerge um, in a leadership position. Uh, if, me, personally, I'd kind of prefer, you know, the single mom with the cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a momocrat, an honorary momocrat. <laughs> well, I have a feeling that we will be talking about this for weeks to come because this is a story that is continuing. But, you know, another story that has been continuing is uh, what is up with the Republicans who all campaigned on we're going to fix the economy, and now they are focusing all their attention, it seems, on restricting abortion rights again. Ah. <sighs> Well, you know, it's a it's a theme that it seems like re- the GOP continually returns to in every election. You know, they they say that they're about fiscal conservatism, and then they get elected, and they s- immediately get right to work on social issues. <laughs> Which well, I mean, I remember in the '90s uh, under Clinton, you know, mm-hmm. they were so focused on things like the Defense of Marriage Act, and you know, while. I think the average American was probably more interested in is my kid getting a good education and you know can I can I afford healthcare and and it seems like we still have this many of the same uh civic issues remain unsolved but the Republicans every time they get into office uh it seems like they immediately I mean I'm I'm painting this with broad strokes of course but I have well, to say I'm a little disappointed <laughs> um one I think it's completely like their game book and they've and they don't have very many new plays. Uh they're just um you know, this is to me indicative of the fact that they're a backward facing, retrograde, um, you know, fetishizing the fifties or 
the 1850s as well as the 1950s um, and don't really have anything to offer uh, for a world all of us, you know, facing forward and moving forward. And and for once, I'm a, I'm somewhat happy that Democrats, uh, you know, it's it's the, the, usually the GOP. <clears throat> there's a culture war, and you know, we kind of respond in kind. But I'm really glad that this time they seem to be starting a culture war. But you know, really, the Democrats are declining to show up. <laughs> it's like no yeah. thank you to this party. So um, I'm really glad in that respect that there's been a pretty fast pivot. And I know that. It is very, very important, and I, I definitely um, many kudos to the to the feminists who have been really pushing back hard on just sort of on the terms set by the GOP forcible rape. What does that even mean when rape is itself a coercive, violent, forced act? Yeah, right. You know, pushing back on these sort of definitional terms within the context of you know, what they're trying to do. But I'm also really glad to see strategically that um, a lot of electeds are coming out and saying, um, great, you can, you know, haggle about this all you want, but what happened to the jobs and all the other things that you campaigned about and made such a stink about not three months ago? Well, I have a question for you, Mm -hmm. Sid. Yeah. Do you think that the GOP leadership in Congress is focusing on things like redefining rape to be, you know, to with these ridiculously oppressive, um, you know, definitions that were put forth in the abortion bill um, last week. Or do, do you think they're doing this because they this is a genuine cause that they believe in? you know, restricting women's access to reproductive health care and uh, taking away women's right to make um, their own health care decisions with their doctors. Uh, do, you, do you think this is something that the GOP passionately believes in as, as a moral um, imperative, or do you think that they're doing this right now as a distraction to prevent the government from passing legislation that might um, actually improve the economy. Because as it sits, if the economy doesn't improve over the next two years, if we don't get more jobs, that's going to be um, you know, an albatross around Obama's neck during the election. And I keep wondering personally, you know, are, are, are the Republicans putting on these shows like reading the Constitution? Um, and they skipped a page, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Not surprising. And, and um, you know, m- making these, changes to uh to rules about rape which you know they whoever did that had to have known that that was going to create controversy in the media i i would think i would hope that they that <laughs> that you know they were thinking ahead about that and and realizing that some women would not be pleased about this provision and so i wonder is 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 this about general um moral issues that they think are important or is this more about creating a distraction to keep us from dealing with the economic issues um, and improving them? I, I, think I think it's both. I think it's both, and I think it's also a way. I mean, they, you know, we're observing the whole healthcare reform effort um, all throughout, you know, 2009 and 10, and um, you know, I think they observed that Stupak Pitts. The Stupak Pitts mm-hmm. Amendment that was offered was extremely divisive. They observed that they could peel off several Democrats who were anti-choice. Um, they observed that, you know, our sort of 
liberal lefty pro-choice coalition is fragile in that, you know, we're not able to have sort of a uniformly pro-choice plank in our platform that Democrats all adhere to, unfortunately, you know. So I, I really think that they knew that they could peel off um, quite a few Democrats, uh, you know, using using this kind of tactic because I think, as I understand it, HR3 is kind of basically Stupak Pitts sort of in a new form um, and that, you know, the forcible rape issue is sort of the, um, you know, the, the headline news for uh, for Fox News kind of thing, but, um, you know, under the cover of that noise and um, excitement is, is really an attempt to codify the Hyde Amendment and just kind of make it um, even more far-reaching than it already is. Um, you know, I know that the um, Reproductive Health Reality Check folks, uh, their blog is excellent, by the way, and, you know, they've been writing a lot about sort of playing out, you know, sort of to the logical extreme. Okay, well, then no federal funds for roads that would be, you know, that you would use to drive on your way to an abortion clinic. I mean, you know, really, like, what is the sort of logical extension here, and how far are they willing to push it in terms of no federal dollars for any sort of abortion funding, right? Well, I I think it shows Mm -hmm. a deep disrespect toward women that I find really problematic, too, because, because, um, you know, obviously, if a lot of these um, new laws, not just at the federal level, but at the state level that have been proposed uh, Mm -hmm. by conservatives since the election, um, have sought to limit, not only to, to do crazy things like redefine forcible rape, to be, you know, how bruised are you, basically, or how mm-hmm. hard did you fight back, which we mm-hmm. all know is is a ridiculous, antiquated notion mm-hmm. that, you know, that. but um, there have also been a lot of attempts to um, take away exceptions for the life and health of the mother and to mm-hmm. say, for instance, that a hospital does not have to treat a woman whose life is in danger if that treatment would involve... Um, her needing to terminate a pregnancy, right? And so, you know, when a woman could, if the GOP has their way on on this issue, um, a woman could die in an emergency room because a doctor there refused to treat her because it might harm the fetus. And so, um, you know, I, I just feel like that that saying that a woman's life is worth less you know, that's making a, yeah. a, a very serious statement that a woman's mm-hmm. life is worth less, especially, you know, a pregnant woman is some special class of person whose life is worth less than uh, that of a man. She might be carrying. <laughs> yeah. Right, uh-huh. right. And so and so, I feel like, you know, this is something that I, I look to um, women in the GOP on this issue, and, I, and I'm wondering, you know, are there women who will stand up and say, wait a minute, you know, this isn't about small government. This isn't about conservative values. This is about the government trying to control women and control their medical choices that should be a private issue. And and I was very pleased to see um, that recently in Wyoming, there were two Republican women in the state legislature there who stood up to an anti-abortion bill uh, that was about to be passed that was going to make put some really onerous restrictions on women who are trying to get um, legal abortions by making them have a waiting period and requiring extra medical procedures, et cetera. And uh, one of the women at this, in the state legislature, I saw this on the wonderful Rachel Maddow show last night. Yeah. 
that we all love. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe a little too much. Um, <laughs> State Representative Sue Wallace from Wyoming uh, actually got up and spoke on the floor about her own personal story of needing an abortion yeah. for health reasons because mm-hmm. she'd had cancer. Mm-hmm. And... I just thought that was incredibly powerful to hear this woman saying, "Hey, you know, I'm a I'm a real conservative and at the same time I I believe that it it's a conservative principle for the government to keep its hands off my body." You know? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. And, and she she mentioned that, you know, there are thousands of stories and they're all different and you can't have a one-size-fits-all policy about this. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I think if uh, moderate Republicans are rare, I mean, I think it's so funny the term white elephant now has this whole new meaning <laughs> <laughs> that the, the GOP is now mostly white. And um, in terms of a white elephant, in terms of its, you know, seeming lack of relevance in terms of, as I was saying, a forward-looking view of American, where, you know, Americans should go as opposed to, like, always looking backwards and being nostalgic about a different time. Um, You know, I think uh, the moderate Republican is a white elephant, and I think rarest of all is sort of the pro-choice moderate Republican woman, you know, so... um, I am so grateful that any time, um, you know, a woman like that does speak up because um, it, it's t- probably terrifying and, um, you yeah. know, you're out on a limb. But for her to speak out like that, you know, is just so important. And, um, you know, it's I, – I really do hope that we can kind of get back to where – the GOP is only moderately crazy, but like mostly interested in making laws that are, you know, reasonable and kind of based in some sort of reality. And right. so someone well, like that gives me a tiny bit of hope that we could eventually get back there. Yeah, we know those things. We know those same moderate conservatives are out there, and we hope mm-hmm. we hope they're listening to our right. show. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I found, we'd be happy to talk to you. <laughs> I found very, very interesting yesterday. I mean, we all know that the Democrats all fight among themselves, and it's like herding cats is what people have said. Mm -hmm. But yesterday, the GOP got a taste of of that when um, that Patriot Act extension um, came up for a vote. And instead of all voting in lockstep like they've been doing for the last two, three years, Mm-hmm. You had, what, 26 Republicans defecting from what, you know, what the party line was and voting to not extend the Patriot Act. Um, I thought this was really significant. Yeah. I, I did, too. I, I really enjoyed um, Maddow's, you know, sort of breakdown of the authoritarian conservatives versus <laughs> the libertarian conservatives, the sort of, you know, big government is there to tell you absolutely what you should and shouldn't be doing, and you better be saying your prayers at school there, young missy, right? And then the small government people who yeah. are kind of like, get the heck away from my giant ranch where I have all my guns and just leave me be. <laughs> well, I, I, think this has, I think this has historically for many years been a conflict within the Mm -hmm. Republican Party between the libertarians who believe in truly small government as in not only, you know, they're not only economic conservatives, but they also feel that socially speaking, the government doesn't have the right to, you know, dictate um, 
what you do in your daily life and the government doesn't have the right to spy on you, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And I right. and I um I think that for the past couple of decades really the libertarian wing of the conservative uh movement has been sort of suppressed by the social conservative um business yeah. wing. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that there have probably been a lot of Republican lawmakers who have sort of secretly been opposed to uh, provisions like the Patriot Act that allow the government to, you know, spy essentially on American citizens, mm-hmm. um, which I believe is a violation of the Fourth Amendment. But I, I think that they, for the sake of the party, were being told kind of to keep their mouths shut. And it's interesting to see that some of these newer members, I, I think nine out of the group that voted were freshmen, members of Congress. And and so to me, I it's interesting to see that some of these newer members might not be willing to toe the party line and mm-hmm. um, hide their libertarian virtues. But on the other hand, this vote was a procedural vote. Um, mm-hmm. they, they had made a, a decision in the House to take a type of vote that would require a two-thirds majority, and that is why the passage failed when these uh, 26 or so Republicans stood up against yeah. the Patriot Act. And mm-hmm. but but they believe it will pass with a simple majority. So now they're going back to rework uh you know, bring the bill back to the floor and rework the vote and and it will pass. So I I have to wonder because I'm a cynic, um <laughs> were some of these especially the Tea Party types, the um the Tea Party members who decided to vote against this bill, in in some cases was this just a show to some of their constituents, mm. and they knew the Patriot Act would would still pass. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, <laughs> it's, you That's know, big. kabuki theater <laughs> is, you know, <laughs> a large part of what's, what seems to be happening there in Congress. I I think I share your cynicism. I mean, I think it's it's very interesting, you know, look probing these fissures in um in the GOP big tent as you were saying and and um you know, I think on the one hand you have your ultra cynical um you know, lobbyist revolving door GOPers who are really just kind of about, you know, Boehner handing out the uh, you know, the <laughs> lobbyist checks on the floor of the house, you know. <laughs> to the highest bidder, sell to the highest bidder sort of Republicans. And then in a weird way, you have some um, Tea Party folks who are who are actually kind of, you know, true believers. And so I think it'll be a test yeah. to them, as you were saying, like uh, how much do they want to hold to their ideals and uh, the philosophies of libertarianism such as it exists? And, and how, you know, how far do they want to go in terms of, of bringing those votes to bear um, versus how much theater, you know, is there in general? And then also how, you know, the realities of sort of campaign funding and like how seductive the pull of that sort of revolving door lobbyist GOP mainstream is, you know, compared to your idealistic, uh, you know, tea partier. Yeah. I think we could learn something from Scott Brown in mm-hmm. Massachusetts yeah. about that. Uh-huh. Because he's been very interesting. But he yeah. but Massachusetts is generally, you know, well educated liberal state, so in some ways 
it was remarkable that he was elected, especially given his sort of tea party aura. Right. <laughs> Even if he didn't necessarily sort of claim himself in the center of it, right. as Bill Bachman would, but still, he does have to kind of respond to his constituents. And so then, it's a question for the, the you know the other tea partiers that you know state by state, like what is the sort of general tenor of you know folks in the state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think part of the reason that Scott Brown has uh, broken with the party on certain issues, broken with the Republican Party, I should uh, say, not just the Tea Party, uh-huh. um, is is because he is aware of the fact that he's in a more liberal state where um, only liberal sorts of Republicans survive. <laughs> right. and so, so I'm sure there's some political calculation going on there. Um, you know, maybe maybe he used the Tea Party movement to his favor and, and mm-hmm. now is, you know, trying to appeal trying to appeal more to the masses in his state. But what I do find interesting is that it does seem like he's made some pretty principled decisions hmm. on certain pieces yeah. of legislation. And I and I'm wondering, you know, is 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 it is this a sign that the Tea Party really does um, contain a diversity of thought that might undermine um, not only the Republican Party's unity, but maybe unity within the Tea Party itself? Because I know that um, the Tea Party people who elected Scott Brown have not been pleased with all his votes. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, they adopted him. You know, when he was running, but uh, since he's come in and he's been such a moderate and he's been willing to work with the Democrats, they are not happy with him. Well, in some ways, um, you know, I think those of us who sort of went through our own trajectory with Obama in terms of the bright, shining ideal and then sort of the, you know, rather gruesome details of actually governing, (laughs) you know, and that sort of um, feeling of like, wow, yeah, hmm, (laughs) this isn't quite, you know, the rainbows and um, unicorns I was hoping. Um, But the thing is, I think that, you know, the Tea Party inevitably has to um, sort of come come to that sort of grips with governing um, and, uh, you know, what it means to what it means to sort of have lofty ideals that you say when you get elected. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's that's. That is such a a lingering thought. That is something we are going to have to think about. We do need to wrap it up now. Sin, did you have... well, I just wanted to um, promote our sponsor again, BubbleGenius.com. They, you can order the soaps online. They have soaps also in the shop. Uh, if you kind of, you know, go to their website and you can see where, the locations where they sell. I think it's largely in California now, but I think they're really starting to spread out, you know, across the country in different little stores, interesting little stores. And I also want to say they have these great political voodoo dolls. So <laughs> if you're so inclined, you can get a... Michelle Bachman. <laughs> she who she who must not be named from Lucilla doll and you know yeah. poke sharp things into it if you, you know, are so inclined. And they also not have that you know we would do anything like that. No. Uh, no, no. I'm just sort of mentioning for entertainment <laughs> value it is on the website. But you know, if you wanted to buy it, you have that option also. <laughs> so they have really just fun, quirky things there and just really beautiful soaps. So please do check them out. Well, Thank you, Finn, and thank you, J-Liv. I hope you get warm over there, and uh, we'll talk to everybody next week.
All right. Thanks for hosting, Donna. Yes, thanks, Donna.